everyone agreed that Mrs. Philippa Benning was a beautiful young woman. Stunning, even, with her cornflower blue eyes and corn silk hair. One poetic gentleman had likened her teeth in shape to perfect corn kernels, but that perhaps was taking the metaphor too far. Mrs. Benning simply sparkled. Her wit and humour and gay joie de vivre gave her entree into the most exciting crowds in the tarn, a place that lady enjoyed and intended to stay. So, if she was occasionally seen as being too forward in her thoughts or too ambitious in her flirtations, it was easily forgiven as the capricious combination of youth and beauty. For when Philippa Benning smiled, a sultry pout known to cause married men to forget their wives' names, no one could find fault in her. Indeed, everyone thought well of Mrs. Philippa Benning, and they certainly would have done so even if she were not so rich and so conveniently widowed. All the world knew Philippa Benning's short marriage had been the stuff of fairy tales, merely lacking the ever-after. And after mourning her husband of five days for a full year— Philippa had discovered it was exceedingly pleasant to no longer require that smothering protection unmarried ladies lived under, and took to her life as a young woman of independent means with verve. She liked all the same things other women liked, but made them artlessly hers. She read the latest Gothic novels by M. R. Bigley's and Mrs. Rothschild, but whenever she commented that the hero of one was far too bland for her taste, or the setting of another was spine-chilling, it was automatically taken as fact and quoted by scholarly ladies and gentlemen alike as such. She could affect sales of fabric as much as a drought or rainy season would affect a crop. If Philippa Benning declared lilac-watered silk to be déclassée, sales of such material would plummet. Conversely, if she was seen strolling the park in mint-green sprigged muslin and butter-coloured walking boots, two dozen such costumes would be on order at the best modistes the next day. It was uncommon for someone so young to rule the tarn. She was just one and twenty, but... When it came to Mrs. Philippa Benning, it was unquestionable. Her favour could make or break a novel's success, a modiste's reputation, a hostess's event, a young debutante's popularity, or a young buck's heart. And she knew it. I absolutely refuse to attend Mrs. Hurston's card party. She insists on wearing that feathered violet turban, and I have taken the trouble twice to tell her how it does not suit her, Philippa said, as she looked through her opera glasses, scanning the crowd lined up along the parade route. Philippa's best friend, Nora, clucked her tongue and shook her head, suppressing a delicate giggle beneath a tiny hand. Nora was an adorable little creature Philippa had picked up this year. She was eighteen, in her first season, and could have turned out disastrous if not for Philippa's intervention. 
Miss Nora de Regis was very rich, born and raised English, but suffered from a touch of dark colouring inherited from a Greek grandfather and from a mother who refused to allow the child to dress in anything other than eyelet cotton and stiff corsets. Philippa simply made certain the world saw Nora's dark eyes and olive skin as exotic, and steered her mother to more expansive modistes. Now mother and daughter alike would not be caught dead in anything but the latest fashions. Nora, at the beginning of the season, also had a rather innocent and open nature, which Philippa was teaching her to suppress. Nora was proving a very apt pupil. "'No Philippa Benning at Mrs. Hurston's party?' Nora replied archly. "'She'll lose more face than if Prinny himself failed to appear.' Maybe that will shock the good Mrs. Hurston into taking your advice more seriously.'